The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow-tie-wearing, brie-cheese-eating, NASCAR-wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. Welcome back, everyone. It's the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin, and I'm with Rob, and we are going to talk some football today. This is our second episode of the week because we did not get you any episodes last week, and we apologize for that last episode. If you want to hear that, go listen to that episode. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> but Rob, how are you doing today? Very good, man. Good to be back. Good to be back. And uh, we we talked about basketball last time, but now we're going to talk about football. It's probably going to be a little bit shorter of an episode because not a lot of football news coming out, but we're going to talk about some recruiting that's going on. We're going to talk about some awards that some UVA players are winning. So, Rob, what's going on in football? Uh, I think what we're going to do is we can talk about three things. Like oh, Dustin did said. I miss one? Uh, recruiting, uh, Bryce Perkins in the Dudley Bryce Award, Perkins, yeah. and South Carolina. South Carolina, that's the other one. Golf I forgot. Bowl, baby. <laughs> so let's, let's start with the Dudley Award, since that's the only one of these two that is in the past these three that are in the past the yeah. other two are coming up yeah, uh, this week and the week after bryce perkins won the dudley award this past week given out annually to the best player in the state uh it's normally a decision between a virginia player a virginia tech player and a jmu player so this year and was ugh. well for the second year in a row a virginia player won it and this year it was bryce perkins well deserving of the award and it was a unanimous decision, actually, which is pretty cool. Basically, I think the big takeaway here is there's still a lot of momentum around this program. It was not the way you wanted to end the season, obviously, losing three of four, two overtime games, one, you know, I'll never forgive the coaching staff for against Virginia Tech. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's the second year in a row that a Virginia player beat out a Virginia Tech player. Bryce Perkins beat out uh, Ricky Walker, the Virginia Tech defensive tackle. And last year, Micah Kaiser beat out Tremaine Edmonds, uh, who was Virginia Tech's uh, star linebacker. And I think he was a first-round pick. So I think it's good. You know, Virginia, before Micah Kaiser, hadn't won that award since Chris Long won it in 2007. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was just a very good sign of kind of you're trying to we've laid a foundation and now you're trying to make sure it sets you know mm -hmm. and i think i think it was a good uh just a good thing for the program to have that happen yeah no i agree and i think that you know we get him back for another year as well which is huge and i think that with with the bowl game coming up and with all this this confidence that this team has and 
you know, I think next year is really a year that Perkins can break out oh, yeah. again oh, and, yeah. and, and show the nation what he can do with, with both his feet and his arm. Well, that's one thing is his arm came a long way during the season mm-hmm. as far as accuracy. The route concepts weren't very diverse. You didn't really see much change as the season went on. That's mm-hmm. one thing that I hope changes next year that we're able to get more diverse in the passing game. But you saw Bryce Perkins really get close to mastering what he was asked to do in the passing game. And then, God, what I was doing when Bryce Perkins won the award, I went back and I was looking at some old highlights from games earlier this year. I mean, I truly didn't appreciate how much he was slowed down against Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech with that ankle in- injury mm-hmm. until I saw some of his highlights from early in the season. Yeah. I mean, that man is a dynamic athlete, and you know, what he was able to do against two you know, pretty good teams and uh, Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, at least two tough matchups on a bum ankle, what he was still able to accomplish is awesome, and it just gives you more more excitement going into next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, he's got to have this offseason to work with his receivers a little bit more and work on his accuracy and his arm strength, as well as get get healthy and get that angle healthy. Mm-hmm. I think that next year is, I'm excited for next year. And, and I'm not, I'm I'm also excited for the Belk Bowl to see what he does in the Belk Bowl, you know, because we play a team in South Carolina. We're going to talk about that later, but that is a SEC team. They are pretty good this year. They are, they're getting hot on offense late in the year. I think it might be a shootout, to mm-hmm. be honest, and I think that it'll be fun to watch Bryce Perkins uh, deal with that when when he's a little bit healthier and he's had probably about a month to prepare for this for this game. Yeah, I mean, and barring injury, like there's no reason Bryce Perkins shouldn't win that award next year mm-hmm. either. I mean, yeah. Bryce Perkins this year was very good in his first year as a starting quarterback. Uh, you know, he also hadn't played in at a division one level before I played consistently. Mm-hmm. So, you know what he's going to be able to do next year. I'm really excited about. Yes. So it'll yeah. be, it'll be fun. No, I agree. And I think, uh, I think he's going to be fun to watch for, for next year. And I, I'm excited that we get him for one more year. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. We get him for one more year, but moving on uh, for some other guys that we might see next year are our recruits and Rob, you are good. I don't know anything about football recruiting. I'm going to hand this over to Rob. <laughs> Rob's going to talk to you guys about what is happening in football recruiting right now. Yeah, well, there's you want to talk about momentum. This is the best class Bronco has brought in. The reason we're bringing this up is because on Wednesday is the early signing day for uh, college football. And basically what early signing day has done is essentially replaced regular signing day. I, you think normal <laughs> signing day is in, it's still in like February, I want to say. I think it's in February. But basically the way Bronco says it, which I agree with, is, you know, if you're committed but you don't commit on the early signing day, are you actually committed? Like if you're committed but then you don't commit, are you committed? Mm-hmm. It, it's To him, it's no. So basically what's going to happen is the majority of our class is going to commit uh here on wednesday the Mm -hmm. 19th so i mean basically we just want to talk about this because this is a good class it's you know bronco everyone comes up with these words like oh this is a foundational class or Mm -hmm. oh this is like another founded i don't know (laughs) i don't know what this class is all i know is that it has the most talent as far as star power goes as any team or any recruiting class that bronco has brought in yeah uh you know headline by 
you know, a consensus four-star guy in Juwan Briggs, uh, you know, defensive tackle. He's a top 100 recruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got two good linebackers in there, uh, most likely going to be outside linebackers and Nick Jackson and Hunter Stewart. Ben Smiley, good defensive tackle, who was able to get around whatever was delaying his commitment. Mm-hmm. He committed a couple weeks ago. And then Jaquay Hubbard, good offensive tackle. Uh, kind of round out your top five there. So out of those guys, the thing to me that's really important is identity. You know, Bronco mm-hmm. has said he wants his teams to be physical. Mm-hmm. He wants them to be big, and he wants to dominate the lines of scrimmage. And, you know, that's that's one way to win football games. It's a very good way to win football games. And I think these commits, assuming these guys all sign on Wednesday, they kind of em- embody that, you know? Mm-hmm. Your top four recruits are all in the defensive front seven, and your top offensive commitment is a tackle who honestly might play next year. Yeah, you know, might play significantly next year. I like, I like what is happening here. This is fun, fun looking class. No, I, I think that you know the the big the big person who we you know I think a lot of fans heard about was Ben Smiley, especially because his recruitment was kind of weird in that he committed for five minutes and then and then deleted said, deleted <laughs> the, deleted the tweet and then ended up we we heard that his recruitment was being reopened uh he was looking for more offers and then and then he finally committed to uva so hopefully wednesday will be the end of that Put pen to paper yeah put pen to paper make it <laughs> official man but uh, two other guys that are interesting uh as far as, far as the offense goes are Seneca Millage and Mike Collins. So mm-hmm. let's just talk about these two guys real quick. Seneca Millage is an athlete. You know, he's just a pure, pure athlete. Most likely he's going to be slated at receiver or kind of in that H-back role. You know, he's kind of, he's not Alameda Zacchaeus, but kind of same type of player, you mm-hmm. know, short, really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a guy that might get some run next year. I think the staff kind of struggled with how to use those type of players. You know, obviously, Alameda Zacchaeus is kind of a special talent. But as far as other players like that in freshman, you know, Tavares Kelly didn't get the run a lot of people thought he'd get, or mm-hmm. at least the impact he, they thought he'd get after his preseason. Um, and then also Billy Kemp, you know, he's another H-back type of player who, quite frankly, I'm surprised played, I think he played in like six or seven games, but only played like 17 snaps. So he didn't get to keep his red shirt, which was kind of weird, but Seneca Millage is another player in that mold. So it'd be interesting to see kind of the coaching staff and figure out better ways to get those guys type of guys involved. Mm -hmm. Mike Collins is, I think the future of the Virginia backfield. Mike Collins is a guy that will play next year Mm -hmm. and might, might start kind of towards the second half of the season. He's a running back out of Louisiana who is just a powerful physical runner you know i've i've said i'm not a big fan of jordan ellis Mm -hmm. i think there's obvious limitations there Mm -hmm. and mike collins while he's not a speedster he delivers more power more explosiveness more wiggle Mm -hmm. than any back on the roster we have right now i'm really excited for him no you you've been talking about this kid for um for like a month now and how excited you are that he's committed and that he's coming here because you know our running game has is is good but we need a little bit of more talent probably more in the pop, backfield yeah more like, extra yeah you know? 
I mean, the guy, did you see the play where he just popped the guy's helmet mm-hmm. off in the state championship yeah, game? Yeah, I saw that. Highlight. He was MVP of the Louisiana state championship game. You know, he, you, those are the best high school football games, best high school football players in the country. You know, those Louisiana Southern guys. I mean, that's, that's where the SEC gets their guys from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for him. Yeah, I, I think that I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. You know, next year we have... Um, Probably PK Kyer is is probably going to be the main guy starting next year, but it'll be interesting to see how much uh, Hollins gets as the year goes on, depending on you know how he adjusts to the speed of the game and how he is physically, and you know all these things that freshmen go through mm-hmm. when they first get onto a college campus. Is you know can they actually compete with other athletes who are you know the same size as them now? Yeah, uh, the running back room is just weird too because. Oh, a lot of guys in the media and around the program are like, oh, like there's so much talent in that running back room. Like, don't under. I remember when Mike Collins committed, everyone's like, oh, me included, was like, I think this is big for our program. And then some people came back and they're like, well, don't underestimate the talent that's already in the room. I'm like, if this talent isn't playing over Jordan Ellis, like, mm-hmm. what's going on? I don't know if it's scheme. Yeah. I, I don't know. But if you're telling me PK Kyer is like some sort of all star, I'm just not buying it. So uh i'm excited for mike collins i think this is maybe one of the more impactful recruits we've had in a while because in the college game especially just a good good running back can do Mm -hmm. so much for a team and virginia really hasn't had that type of guy in several years yeah probably what what would you say is the last running back who really you know was really good at uva the last one who could really like win you football games mm-hmm. on his own, maybe Cedric Pierman. I mean, you look back. Wally, Wally Lundy. Wally Lundy was a good bag, but I mean, that's where you have to go back yeah. to because you think about the backs Virginia had in the nineties. Mm-hmm. You know, your Tiki Barbers, mm-hmm. your uh, uh, your Thomas Jones. Mm-hmm. Those guys were truly dynamic, like NFL guys. And then Virginia went through a little bit of a phase where they had good running backs behind some really good early El Grow offensive mm-hmm. lines, you know, your Wally Lundy's, your Alvin Pierman's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could toss Jason Snelling in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at the guys after him, you know, Cedric Pierman had a couple good years. Mm-hmm. He was a fun player. And I think he kind of fits the mold of uh, uh, what Mike Collins is going to be like as far as style goes. Mm-hmm. You know, not a speedster necessarily, but a powerful back that can be explosive. Perry, Mike Perry Jones. Perry Jones had that one good year. Yeah. But, you know, he was a smaller back. <laughs> yeah, he was smaller, but, you know, he could catch out of the backfield. Yeah. He, he was he was fun to watch. He too. was kind of like a Smoke Mizell type of guy. Yeah, I think of, Smoke was better, but yeah. uh, similar styles. And Kevin Parks was a good back. He mm-hmm. just wasn't really dynamic. Keith um, Payne. Keith Payne had that fun season. <laughs> the Payne train. <laughs> yeah, that fun season where, God, he was like 250 pounds. Just a massive yeah, guy. Yeah, that might have been Mike you. London's first year, his really good year, Keith Payne's. Uh that was fun. I, I, yeah, I don't remember when that year was, but I remember him. And I know I, I think I'm excited to get back to to having a hopefully knock on pan, wood. You knock know, on these wood. are still high school players. Knock on wood. But. Hopefully, it pans out that this guy is stays for four years. Hopefully, he can give a lot to this program that you know has been missing in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, one other guy I want to talk about in this class, which is kind of an interesting guy, is R.J. Harvey. Mm-hmm. R.J. Harvey Jr. is a dual-threat quarterback out of Orlando, Florida. And one, it's interesting just because he's a quarterback. You know, it's 
the quarterbacks are always interesting recruits because obviously they play such a big role and how your team does. But he's also interesting because he is, you talk about dual threat, this guy is, you know, known for his ground game. Mm-hmm. You know, he can throw the ball and, you know, we, Dustin and I were joking about this. We did, Who knows how good we are at evaluating arm talent on quarterbacks? We, we, we said that Perkins has, his arm talent is questionable early <laughs> in the season. And now and now we know that he, he's very good. Yeah, you know, ball. he doesn't have the Kurt Ben Kurt cannon, but right. he has more than enough to succeed. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, take everything we say about R.J. Harvey as a passer with a grain of salt. But, I mean, he's a dynamic runner. You know, you look at the quarterbacks you have on the roster right now. You know, Lindell Stone, honestly, if everything goes according to plan, Lindell Stone will never start. It'll mm-hmm. be Bryce Perkins to Brennan Armstrong. Mm-hmm. That'll be that transa- transition. And is very different running styles as they recruit these dual threat guys. You know, Bryce Perkins... I thought Jerry Ratcliffe said it best when we had him on a couple months ago, mm-hmm. is built like a running back. Mm-hmm. You know, he runs like a running back. He's big, you know, mm-hmm. wide shoulders. He's a big guy. And then Brennan Armstrong, it's kind of kind of has more of that Tim Tebow feel to him. Mm-hmm. He's shifty and he can run, but he's not a burner by any stretch. He could still run you over too. Yeah, he, he lowers his shoulder and make things happen. He's mm-hmm. a good runner, but he's not quite as dynamic as Bryce Perkins is, who's powerful right and also very fast mm. and meanwhile rj harvey he's five foot ten 182 pounds so he's a small guy but he can fly mm-hmm. and he's shifty and you know he's he's a speedster for sure so it's interesting to see while these are all dual threat quarterbacks each one of these guys that bronco is going to have on his roster bring very different elements of that dual threat uh, quarterback so, into the room so he's not like the thorderback kind of model that exactly that that bronco really kind of likes to have but he's imagine having Tavares kelly at quarterback <laughs> but a little bit taller yeah no i mean he's very shifty he's yeah. a speedster um it's interesting because then they're also bringing in this other quarterback luke wentz from germany because mm-hmm. i think they have two germany commits potentially in this class or one Germany, one Denmark. That's kind of, weird. There's there's some European guys in here. <laughs> We're going to the Euro market. Yeah. <laughs> but Luke Wentz is another quarterback, and he's I can't say I've watched much of him. He's actually twenty four seven rates him higher actually than R. J. Harvey. Really? Uh, but Luke Wentz, he's six foot three, two hundred five pounds, so a bigger guy. Listen, we don't know, and that's to me that's the most fun part about training camp is you get to hear kind of what's happening. You won't hear as mm-hmm. much in the spring, but you hear a lot in training camp about what guys are really showing out, you know, I'm, I just love football. And for Mm -hmm. me to just see kind of these new guys come in the future of the program, it's always fun because there's going to be guys, you know, it's just kind of inevitable. There's going to be guys that you're really high on that, you know, probably won't have the best college careers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's going to be guys that we're not talking about at all in this segment right now that are going to be very good players for UVA. So it's just kind of fun. No, and that and that's the thing about football recruiting is like they, you recruit so many people, and you get like, what? How do you know how many recruits we have in this class? Like twenty uh, something. Currently, we have twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Thirty fifth ranked class in the country. A lot of that's based on volume too, though. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of players. It's a lot of new faces, and you know we we will some some of these guys will never see the playing field at UVA, mm-hmm. and that's just the nature of college football. Um, some of these guys will be four year starters. Pro- actually, never mind. There will be starters for a long, 
a couple of I years. I mean, who's to say some guy like a Jawan Briggs can't come in and be you know, four years I'm not, not going to say. But... I'm not going to say anything because <laughs> I don't know anything about football recruiting. But what I do know is I am excited to see these guys on the field at some point in their UVA career and, and see how they do. Yeah. So, I mean, signing day is Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Virginia is still chasing a couple wide receivers. They had uh, Cole Blackman and Rhea Burden announce over the past couple of days that they're transferring. Mm-hmm. So while those guys weren't going to be a big part in the roster moving forward, and that's probably had a big role in why they're transferring, uh, you know, there's more depth positions that need to be filled. So Virginia's going after a couple of receivers right now. Uh one guy who's interesting, Nathan Beal, he just flipped um, or might be on the verge of flipping his commitment from Iowa State. Um, there's another guy they're going after. Um, I can't remember his name right now. So they're still exploring more options at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm I'm just excited for signing day. No, yeah, it'll be exciting. and It'll be exciting to see, you know, what what exactly goes on and happens. Um, but with that, if, unless you have anything else to add for on the recruiting trail, we, we are going to move on to talking about our bowl game in the belt bowl, uh, best bowl versus South <laughs> Carolina. And once again, yeah, as we said on, on, on Sunday, you know, Rob and I don't know a lot about South Carolina, but someone who does is Andrew Ramsbatcher. So we're going to bring him on again. He is kind, kind enough to, to give us a second interview. And so we are going to talk to him about what South Carolina football team is going to look like. And we're going to ask him some questions about what's going to happen during the game. Let's bring him on. All right. So we have Angie Ramsbacker back on to talk some football and get a little bit of a Belk Bowl preview. And Andrew, obviously, thanks for coming on again. And the big kind of story that we as Virginia fans keep seeing is Debo Samuel not playing in this game against Virginia, what type of impact did he have this season? And what do you think it means for this game, him not playing? I think it's a huge storyline. Debo Samuel did everything for South Carolina Uh, in terms of any kind of playmaking opportunity. uh, Debo Samuel was the one doing it. Kick returns, uh, obviously as a receiver, he's a guy, he's a guy that used the jet sweep game. He threw a touchdown pass this year against Georgia, just a, ultra dynamic kind of guy that uh will you'll see him in the nfl uh absolutely because he can he can impact the game in so many ways i know you always hear the you know it's kind of cliche he's a threat every time he touches the ball devo samuel was a threat to score every time he touched the ball uh mm-hmm. he was that dynamic of a guy and uh i fully understand i think everyone around here fully understands his decision uh, to, to skip the belt bowl and, and concentrate on the NFL, because this is a guy who has had uh, a pretty noted injury history in his career. Mm. It took him till his senior year to finally play a full 12 games. So why risk that, uh, you know, in, in a bowl game, but man, I would have loved to see him because it would have been fun matchup him going against, you know, a Bryce hall, yeah. a couple guys who will both be in the league pretty soon. So uh, that part's a little disappointing, but, yeah, the answer to your question, it, it's an impact. Yeah, it's a, it's a big storyline. That, that's a that's a big, I think, uh, an advantage for, for Virginia to not have to account for him, uh, not only as a receiver, but what he – or they use him. Brian McClendon, the offensive coordinator, has done a great job in his first year as, as the OC and getting Debo in, in a lot of spots to, to do damage. And um, he's just good. He's really, really good. And, and uh, I think it's a, it's a huge, huge thing. 
his absence going into this dog bowl. Is is that something that there's been some backlash on, or because you said that a lot of fans understand, you know, with his injury history, but when other big time prospects do it, like skip the bowls, they they often face some backlash. Has that has that been the case with him as well? Not as much. I think people, you know, a little background. I don't. He got hurt last year. I think he broke his leg in the third or fourth game against Kentucky, and. Honestly, people thought right then and there that was the last time they were going to see Debo Samuel. Despite the injury, a lot of folks basically felt he was leaving for the NFL early anyway. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he came back, I think for a lot of fans, said a lot to them um, that he gave them this extra year when he could have left. I think last year as a junior, he took his picture on, on, uh, on picture day you know, with the seniors, AKA mm-hmm. kind of saying like, this is my last year, you know, it was announcing it without announcing it. And, um, but he, he decided to come back and he was great. Uh, and, uh, a guy who, who truly gave it all, um, even in a, basically a meaningless game against Akron at the end of the year, it was a, a hurricane makeup game. Uh, this guy is on special teams diving on a botched punt in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, amongst a, a big pile of people. So I think, you know, he really gave his effort till the end. I think what people would rub people the wrong way is that he also announced he'd play in the, in the senior bowl, which, mm. you know, if you're, if you're not going to play in the belt bowl, why are you playing in the senior bowl? Can't both get hurt, which you have to realize you can, you can go to the senior bowl and just practice all week and boost your NFL stock and not mm-hmm. play in the game. Yeah, he never say he's not going to play in the game, but, they're two separate things. So uh, I guess there was backlash there. There was some radio talk about that, you know, um, should he have played in the, or accepted the invite to the senior bowl because he had already skipped out the buck bowl. But for the most part, uh, I think, uh, I think South Carolina fans have been pretty rational about Debo's decision. Gotcha. As far as the offense now looking at it without Debo Samuel, you know, it's been at least on paper, a better kind of second half to the season than the first half. You know, there was some stories floating around about Jake Bentley, his decision-making. Seems like he's really come a long way the second half of the season. What's kind of the identity on offense of them? I mean, are they going to speed it up? It looks like they're more of a passing team. Can you just kind of dig into them a little bit offensively? Yeah, they'll speed it up. I hope that the last six or seven games of the year, the offense was really good. Um you know, the, the Clemson game is the one that I think sticks out to a lot of people. I don't – I mean, the fact that South Carolina scored 35 points and Jake Bentley threw for 500 yards against that defense uh, is pretty outstanding. It, it, and it says a lot um, about the potential of this offense. I think it, it took a little bit – you know, Bentley was, was not very good. Um, I mean, it was – there were some trying times here. He got booed a few times at home, um, you know, missed the game against Missouri and, and – the fifth-year senior backup quarterback, Michael Skarnecchia, came in and, and uh, won them, a, which ended up being a big win for South Carolina because Missouri ended up having a pretty good year. And uh, a lot of folks thought that, that Skarnecchia should have stayed the starter, uh, you know, coming back, that there was a bye in between. And then I think they came back and, and played, um, I want to say, Texas A&M. And, and uh, Jake Bentley did not start well in that game either. You know, and there were some boos, but he, he came back in the second half and played really well, almost got them 
come back to beat the Aggies. And from that point forward, he was, he was pretty lights out. He was really good. Um, they will emphasize him a lot. It'll it, it's a pass first. They will run no huddle stuff. They'll try to play with pace. You know, Brian McClendon uh, at this point last year was trying out for this role uh, as offensive coordinator. He was in it in an interim sense. They fired Kurt Roper after the end of last season. Uh, some folks might remember Kurt Roper. He was a, he's a David Cutcliffe disciple who was uh, with Duke for a little bit. And, um, he he would Kurt Roper is probably like the least popular person in Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible and and you guys know how when an offense goes bad, uh, you know you guys are feeling it now. I think oh with, god, with, uh, yeah. some fan reaction to Robert and I seventh from that Virginia Tech team. It <laughs> no was doubt. like that. No for doubt. It was like that for twelve games last oh year. Oh my gosh! And uh, so they got rid of Roper. Uh, McClendon becomes the interim OC for the Outback Bowl against Michigan. Does a hell of a job. Um, and the offense looked good. They beat Michigan with this great second half, and uh, they removed the interim tag and gave him the uh, the full time gig. This is his first year calling plays as a coach, and I think for the most part he's been pretty successful. You look at the numbers, um, scoring's up, yards per game is up, everything. So you know it, it, he's utilized uh, some really good weapons. You know beyond Debo. You know, Brian Edwards is also a guy that's going to play on Sundays at some point. Uh, he's only a junior. He could probably leave after this year. If he, if he, and there's some rumors that he might. Wouldn't shock me. Um, you know, uh, Shai Smith, another receiver, super fast, who will play a big role. Running back-wise, there's not a main guy. They kind of rotate A.J. Turner, Rico Daddle, stuff like that. Um, so the running game is not a, a huge deal. Uh, but they can, they can sling it. And Jake Bentley, when he's on, he, he can be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the matchup. You know, very good Virginia secondary. Bryce Hall, Juan Thornhill, Joey Blunt, Brendan Nelson. against. you know, even without Debo Samuel, some good receivers and a good quarterback. It's it's definitely something people are interested in up here. As far as the defense goes, what's the best way to attack the South Carolina defense? Are they kind of, do they kind of fit the SEC reputation of big and physical? Uh, full strength, they do, but... I've never seen a team hit with injuries like the South Carolina defense has this year, um, particularly on the back end. And you're talking about um, on uh, second to last home game of the year, uh, a kid by the name of Jason Sen was a walk is a walk on senior, had never played a game in his career at South Carolina, and basically had to play the entire game against uh against tennessee chattanooga due to jc horn being injured because i think they were down to their sixth safety something like that well um they've just gotten crushed on injury uh you know it's kind of a it's frustrating for south carolina fans because um you know this year's gone opposite to what you really expect from from will muschamp coach team look at will muschamp's career he's always had a great defense it's the other side of the ball that he's never, he's never figured out. It's, it just hasn't worked. Look mm-hmm. at those Florida teams and his early South Carolina teams. He just hasn't had that balance. And this year, he finally gets the offense going, and you know his baby, his defense just was not right all year because of injuries. Um, you know, guys like Bryson Allen Williams missed a ton of time. Javon Kinlaw, who's their best uh, interior defensive lineman, he's going to miss the belt bowl. 
Uh, he, he's missed three or four games this year. Um, I think that's right. Uh, DJ Wanham, another guy who's missed a bunch of games this year, a lineman who, who they've, they valued, you know, uh, Bryce Nolan is a guy that played linebacker and defensive end. Um, Jamias Williams at safety. I mean, the list goes on. Rashad Fenton, finally he's got a neck injury or something that Muschamp announced the other day, and he's not going to play in the puck ball guy who played uh, on the back end in the secondary. So they just been ravaged by injuries. Um, and it, it's just, it's hard to judge. I mean, how to attack them, you know, obviously, um, you know, teams have had success throwing the ball because they're not on full strength back there. You know, the defensive line has been okay uh, because the guys like Ken Law has been in there, but now he's not going to play against the belt ball. So I'm, I'm telling you it, for, for Virginia, this is a great opportunity uh, to get a, a, a huge win in the Bronco Mendenhall era, because mm-hmm. When you look, if they win this game, you look back on it a couple of years from now, people are going to remember that South Carolina was crushed by injury and that Debo Samuel didn't play. They're going to remember Virginia beating an SEC team to end the bowl game in Bronco Mendenhall's third season, which I think is a huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So it's out there for UVA to take this game. There's no doubt about it. And um, I know South Carolina is still kind of hanging on as a favorite, but um, I think UVA has got a, got a great chance to uh, – to catch a South Carolina team, it's just not—it's just not in a good way <laughs> from a health standpoint. Yeah, I, I know your time at UVA was not um, great for for football, but in basketball, that was kind of the time where we were like really coming up. So, how is it being at a school where football is king and basketball is put on the back burner for a while? Well, as a basketball beat writer, it's not that fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because. Uh, you know, you, you try to save money here and there, and certainly they, uh, you know, they'll, they'll shovel out uh, the cash for mm-hmm. for football road trips for the local beat writer. Basketball uh, not as frequent mm-hmm. because just the interest level isn't as high. And I, I, I understand that. That's a that's the frustrating part of it. But uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, you, you kind of have to grasp it. There's not a lot of places in the SEC uh, where it's equal, or, or besides Kentucky, mm-hmm. you know, there's no place where basketball is is bigger than football. So it's, it's amazing how everyone's kind of in the same region uh, between the SEC and the ACC and the different kind of mentalities and, and uh, priorities put on, on either game. I mean, I'll say this, uh, it's, it's a football school and that means that Saturdays are, are pretty fun. Uh, it's a pretty <laughs> yeah. cool scene. I mean, the, the Georgia game this year was as electric of an atmosphere I've ever been in. Um, I mean, the stadium, the press box is shaking at kickoff and, uh, of course, Georgia has like a pick six in the second play, and it kind of mm-hmm. died down. But um, it, it's a fun, it's a, it's a fun place, and uh, you know, Williams Bryce Stadium is is as good as an atmosphere as there is, I think, in, in college football. Uh, their intro and um, you know intro video and all that is is pretty good. They have a great video team, and mm-hmm. um, you know it, it's pretty good. You know, basketball. You know, when basketball wants to, it can be good. You know, there was a stretch last January where they had home games against Texas Tech, Tennessee, and Kentucky, where all three of those games were – it was great. Uh, it was three high-level basketball games uh, where the crowd was was there, was live, was into it, and it, it was a good time. And, you know, there might not be as many people at basketball games, but I tell you this, Frank Mark, um, he's worth the price of admission if you get into it because mm-hmm. he, is, he, is, he is entertaining. Yep. Uh, to go from a – Kind of mild mannered Tony Bennett to a Frank Martin's been a, a bit of fun, uh, 
uh, a fun ride there. Yeah, I guess you would say. I yeah, well, we, those two. I, well, I think after the Dave Lato years, like UV Athletics really wanted to go to <laughs> let a mild mannered coach. <laughs> yeah, I don't see Frank Martin fitting in uh, <laughs> up in Charles. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, great guy though. I I really enjoy uh, enjoy covering him. That's for sure. Yeah, and then I guess kind of as we kind of start to wrap up this football conversation, obviously Virginia fans were really excited to get the Belk Bowl. Uh, good location for them, like, you know, all things considered, the way they ended the season, kind of a good draw. What do South Carolina fans think? Are they happy with the Belk Bowl? Are they happy with the matchup? What's kind of their feelings around this game? Yeah, they wanted the Gator Bowl. I think that was the one that they – you know, we're pushing for near the end and they, there was a pretty good chance they were going to get it. Some things just didn't fall right. I think that, that Texas A&M LSU result, um, not uh, who won that seven overtime game, A&M won, right? So I yeah. think that, I think that kind of tipped off or, or not tipped off, but it, it kind of screwed up uh, how the pecking order went and dropped people down a peg. And, and basically after that, South Carolina was well positioned for the belt bowl, but uh, you know, Charlotte is right up the road. I mean, it's it's an hour and 20 minutes or so from Columbia. Um, so, you know, that's good and bad because it's not really an exotic location. Matter of fact, South Carolina will play two straight games at Bank of America Stadium because they open next season at uh, in Charlotte against, uh-huh. uh, against North Carolina. And they just played there to open the 2017 season against NC State. So, <laughs> you know, again, it's it's an easy travel situation. You know, um, I think it's good. It's on a Saturday, right at noon and things like that. I think it's a good spot in terms of a national perspective because it kind of people are really into college football that day, right? This game starts the biggest day of the year with the playoffs, you know, coming that night. Um, but for South Carolina fans, I, I, you know, they'll show up because they, they show up, uh, in in those places, South Carolina plays, I think as excited as they were than say last year in Tampa for the Outback Bowl? Probably not. Um, you know, in terms of the matchup, uh, you know, just reading some comments and things like that on our site and um, how people are reacting to it, I think the first thing is they just love beating the ACC. That's like a thing for them. <laughs> Part of that, I think, is because if they if they crush an ACC opponent, they can rub that in Clemson's face. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Clemson's owned that series as of late. So, yeah. um you know, so that's basically how they feel about it. I mean, they'll show up um, if 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 they do lose, uh, which I certainly think could happen. Uh, I think South Carolina fans will won't, won't take it too well uh, because I think they're really expecting to uh, to beat an ACC team and and uh, get an eight win season. Yeah, I know it's still a little early for predictions, but you said you view this game kind of as a toss up. Uh, you leaning one way either side. <laughs> Yeah, I still think South Carolina is, is the better team, um, you know, by a, a few points here or there. I think it'll be a good game. Um, you know, for Virginia, you know, I, I'm, I'm always like this, you know, and after years of watching them up close, you got to see something happen before you believe it can happen. <laughs> yes. And, uh, <laughs> right. I mean, uh, I mean, I. I'm, I'm, I'm almost in the belief now that UVA will never beat Virginia Tech for the rest of time. <laughs> particularly after this last result. So, you, you I mean, from heard, that, you should have heard Rob and I after that yeah, game. That was yeah, that was rough. Sad. Very sad. The most classic yeah. UVA things ever <laughs> well, in, that, in that game. I mean, that's just, that's, that's tough. Um, so, because of that, you know, I, I just, 
Uh, it wouldn't shock me if UVA won, um, but South Carolina has been here far too often, far many times more uh, than Virginia has. You know, Virginia's result in a bowl game last year, you know, that's that's still in your mind uh, of that egg they laid in, in the in the military bowl against Navy. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe they I mean, that was the best thing that happened for them. Right. They, they learned from it that they were they're done with this happy to be here type of mentality and, and uh, but really get to it. But um, I still think South Carolina's got enough juice to uh, to pull off the win, but it, it wouldn't shock me if, if the Hoos did it. And if, the, if Virginia wins, I, I think that's super significant. I mean, you might look at it and say, oh, they beat a 7-6 and six South Carolina team. But I think a bowl win um, from where this program was when Bronco took over uh, to, to where he's taken it in two years, um, this recruiting class he has coming in, from what I understand, is is pretty good, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's got this thing rolling. I think, I think what he's done that kind of go, I wouldn't say unnoticed, but um, yeah, I just remember in 2015 um, that whole year was okay. You know, obviously, you know Mike's still coaching there, but you knew that, that this was it for him. And, and speculation, you know, which who would come next, who would replace Mike London, and and all you heard was offensive guys, right? Mm-hmm. It was. It was uh, guys that could were effective on that side of the ball because you knew where the game was heading, obviously. Uh, but you also knew where UVA's biggest problem was over the years, and that was a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's funny that they brought in a guy with a defensive background, and the first two quarterbacks he's brought in have set records on top of one another, and Kurt mm-hmm. Beckert and, and Bryce Perkins. So uh, I think Broncos done a hell of a job. I really do. Um, I think that uh, – I think that they're they're moving in the right direction. There's still some psychological things they got to get over, mm-hmm. right? And 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 winning those two games at the end of the year, um, you know, Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, and they have to do it all the time. And uh, you know, once they get over that hump, uh, I, I see nothing but but good things for them going forward. All right, love to hear that. That's a good way <laughs> to end it, I think. So this has been. Andrew Ramspatcher, he writes for the state in South Carolina. He is the beat writer for the basketball team, and he also covers the football team. So we really enjoyed having you on these past two episodes. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. If you come talking to, to you. If you come to Charlottesville next year, get, uh, hit us up. We'll, we'll come hang out. <laughs> Happy to do it. All right. Happy to do it. Thank Thanks, you. guys. All right. Great to have Andrew Ramspacker back on again. Talk some football. Talk some bowl games. You know, we'll see if Virginia can pull it out. It'd be big for Virginia if they were able to pull that game out. It'd be a good good stamp on the program, beat an SEC team, get eight wins. It'd be good. It'd be really good for the program. So with that, let's give some yells. So I'll give my yell out to a guy that we already gave some praise to earlier in the episode, Mike Collins. As we talked about, you know, three-star running back recruit to UVA, hopefully signing here on Wednesday. And we just got to give a shout out to his performance in the state title game. I think it was last week. He carried the ball 27 times for 237 yards and four touchdowns. He also had five receptions for 47 yards and another touchdown. So five touchdowns on the day, nearly 300 total yards. That's a day. That's a day, and it shows kind of his versatility too. You know, he catch caught some balls out of the backfield. He literally ran a guy over and had his helmet pop off. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about with this young man. So 
excited to see him in the orange and blue next year. Yeah, and I'm going to give a shout out to um, some other Virginia guys who won awards at the Richmond Touchdown Club. And besides Bryce Perkins, you know, Bryce Perkins won the 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 Bill Dudley Award, which is the best player in Virginia. But you also got uh, Alamna Zacchaeus and Chris Peace and Bryce Hall and Lester Coleman winning awards at that ceremony as well. You know, Alameda won for best offensive back of the year and Chris Peace won for linebacker of the year. And then Bryce Hall won for defensive back of the year. So all good things. And we get one of those guys or two of those guys back next year, Bryce Hall and Bryce Perkins. Well, we'll see. Uh, well, we'll <laughs> see about Bryce Hall. He's still, he's got, he's eligible for another year. He might leave. He hasn't commented on it if he's leaving or not. Whatever he chooses, you know, he's he's given everything he's got to this it's program. Great for the so, program either way. So if he if he decides to go early to the uh, NFL, then all all power to him. But I I hope he stays for another year for for my sake. <laughs> but you he will choose what's best for him. But with that, I think that's all for this episode midweek episode on football. So make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat and Instagram yep. at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Fo- uh, on Podbean and iTunes if you want to keep listening. And we'll see you guys next week. Go Who's Baby. Go Who's Baby. Go who's baby.